The Ride Home Rants podcast is brought to you by Reaper Apparel Company. Reaper Apparel offers a casual line of superb fit, finish, and comfort. We design for those who refuse to die slowly and choose to live untamed. For those who aren't afraid to face the dark, for the ones that thrive in it, and for those who can appreciate life through a grim lens. That's Reaper Apparel Company. Go to the link in the description of this episode, use the promo code Mike Bono, and get 10% off. Also, the Ride Home Rants podcast is brought to you by my own personal merch store, the Stupid Should Hurt merch store. I have hats, I have t-shirts, hoodies, coffee mugs, water bottles, notebooks, you name it, I've got it. The description and the link for that will be in the description of this episode. Also, right now, if you use the promo code WELCOME, I will give you 5% off of your first purchase. That's the Stupid Should Hurt merch store. Also, the Rod Home Rants podcast is brought to you by Tactical Brotherhood. All-American-made apparel, which helps support the Second Amendment. You can also find all this in the description of this episode with the link, Tactical Brotherhood. Part of every proceed does go to helping veterans, as it is a very good cause. All American-made products made right here in Minnesota. Go and check them out. Use the promo code PATRIOT15 to get 15% off your purchase. Now, let's start the show. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Ride Home Rants podcast. This is, as always, your host, Mike Bono. I got a great guest for us today, but first and foremost, the Ride Home Rants podcast is brought to you by Steve Sabo and his three books, that is Jester's Run, How to Fail at Stand-Up Comedy, and Kayla's Gone. You can find all three of these books at his website, stevesabo.com, or on Amazon. If you just type in the promo code Ride Home Rants. You will get free shipping on these books. Once again, that's Kayla's Gone, How to Fail at Stand-Up Comedy, and Jester's Run. I have uh, read How to Fail at Stand-Up Comedy cover to cover. It's a fantastic book. I just cracked open Jester's Run. Uh, it's a it's a real page turner. Everybody go and get these with the promo code Ride Home Rants. You will get free shipping. That being said, my guest today is once again another great guest from Willoughby, Ohio. I, I swear I should move to Willoughby. I have so many guests. Come on up. Thank you. Thank Come you. Come on up. There. Uh, Rusty Bliss joins the show. Rusty, thanks for being on the show, man. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Beautiful day. Absolutely. So uh, you are a pilot, actually, right now. So I, you're the first pilot I've ever talked to or known. <laughs> What what goes into somebody wanting to become a pilot? It was in my family DNA, pretty much. Um, I've been flying. Let's see. I graduated from high school in 86. I started flying when I was a sophomore in high school. So um, I had the dream to want to go in and follow my relatives, my grandfather, my uncle, my cousin into the military and fly. Um, had that dream of wanting to be an astronaut, believe it or not. And... Um, when it came down to it, trying to get into the military to fly back in the eighties was pretty rough because I wore contacts back then and it was a no go. It was 2020 or you were doing something else. So I went about it the hard way or the long way. It wasn't really hard, but, uh, 
did it privately, learned how to fly, picked up odds and ends jobs, did um, a lot of local flying, got to work for a great company in downtown Cleveland called Baron Aviation. Um, that introduced me not just to flying, towing banners around that you'd see over stadiums, um, but I also got to do on-air radio work, believe it or not, as a traffic reporter in the airplane for several different radio stations. So got to work with um, you know a lot of good people at MMS, at um, WKDD down in Akron, WRQK down in Canton with a guy you might remember by the name of Spaceman Scott. And uh, Spaceman Scott Hughes was a really, uh, you know, he was the one that brought me in. And I was um, in the better part of the early, late 80s, early 90s was Luke Skywalker, the untamed radio eye in the sky for Rock 107. So that was pretty fun. That was kind of uh, my first, my first um, jumping into multitasking in a big way, flying the airplane, listening in one ear, listening in the other ear, talking in one side of my mouth, talking in the other side, making sure we're not, you know, in the wrong airspace. And it was, it was a challenge, but it was fun. I had a really good time with it, met a lot of great people. And then from there, it grew into corporate flying, flying people around, doing charters, doing corporate stuff. And then I did some contract flying. And now what I've been doing the last 21 years was flying for a feeder operator for FedEx. So um, the company is uh, Mountain Air Cargo. We operate on a smaller scale now, the local side or the regional side for FedEx. So I'm hauling freight between, I've got um, the cake, the milk run. After 21 years, I finally get to stay home every day. I have a nice four hour duty day. I fly, you know, out of Cleveland Hopkins. I fly up to Erie. I come right back. My work day's done. And then I get to go on to the second half of my life, life which is uh, coaching and working with um, high school age kids. So it's, it's really unique. Wow. That, that sounds like a lot. I mean, you kind of took me into my next question was, was, you know, what do you do for flying? Do you fly for fun? I mean, you answered that with FedEx and everything like that. So do you ever just go up in the plane when you don't have to work just to, to get off the ground, if you will? That airplane, no, but I do have um, connections to, privately owned airplanes and yeah once in a while i'll go up we'll take the kids flying um we do a lot of work with a group called the experimental aviation association where we work in this project sector they have there called the young eagles which helps introduce younger kids to flying and we take them up it's it's free to them we take them up we fly them for maybe 20 minutes some of them want to fly down the road some of them just want to see their neighborhood from a different vantage point than the street level. And it's, it's really great. Um, I do a lot of outreach with area schools. I do some work through NASA Glenn's outreach program. I have a lot of friends there that have put me in contact with some people to help me reach these kids in school. And we, we do visits to schools. We do visits at different public speaking events. And the goal of it is to inspire the next generation of aviator. Um, We want to keep these kids think, you know, there's more than just, go to high school, graduate, go to college, get a degree, get a job somewhere. That's awesome. You know, but there's, there's so many different ways that you can take your life. You can stay here on the ground or, you know, you can, you can look up. And the whole point of our thing is never stop looking up. Um, I've been blessed my entire working life since high school and beyond with the exception of our family business, which was a machine shop. I've either been at an airport or in an airplane. So I've been off the ground 
for the majority of my working life, which is which has been great. I've seen things from a different vantage point. Um, we have a real nice slideshow that we open up the presentation with, which is "Have you ever?" is how we entitled it, and it shows basically: Have you ever seen a thunderstorm from above the thunderstorm? Have you ever experienced a sunset from above the clouds? It's you know different things to get the kids inspired. And then we, you know, we take them into more of what is required for what you want to do. If you want to do this for a living, if you want to do it for fun, um, you know, always believe in yourself. And if it's a dream you have like that, pursue it. Because I was that stereotypical kid that was sitting at the airport fence with my fingers through the fence, staring at airplanes. And the next thing you know, I'm flying them. 40 different types of aircraft, civilian and military that I've flown. And it's been it's been a blessing. I, I've, met, I've met a lot of great people. I've had a lot of great mentors and it's been it's been fun. It's a lot of hard work. I mean, you do. You know, it sounds easier than it, I'm than I make it out. to. Or it sounds easier the way I'm making it out than what it really is. You do have to put in a lot of work, um, a lot of math, a lot of science, but it's nothing too crazy. You know, your geometry and your basic math and, you know, meteorology and appreciation for what you're doing and safety, obviously, and, you know, enjoying it. I have, <laughs> I have a retired Air Force colonel that flies with me. He's 70 years old. And when I fly with him, it's like flying with a 25-year-old kid. And if I can feel like that in when I'm 70 about my job, I'm going to be loving it. I'm doing it right because he just wants to be off the ground and doing it. And that's what we do. You know, some guys want to go the airline route and sit there and, and we call it managing the bigger airplanes, which we've all done. But some of us want to be more on the aviator side where we're in charge in control of everything. And we have fun that way. You know, we, we, we feel our airplane. We, our airplane's part of us. And, and it's, you know, that's the way we look at it. We just, we just like to be up there and, it's not just a job for us. It's a, it's a calling and it's a passion really. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, can you really call it work if you love what you do? Nope. I mean, that, that's, that's what I tell everybody who asks me all the time. Like, why are you, why are you pursuing stand-up comedy as, as a career path? It's like, because I, when I, have my days off from my day job and I'm doing things like my podcast and getting up on stage and going to shows and traveling. That's not work for me. That is mm-hmm. something I love to do. And I love to bring joy to people all across wherever, wherever there's a stage and wherever, whoever wants to listen to this show here, you know, that's, that's fun for me. So it's, it's great when I go into my day job and like, Oh, how were your days off? And it's like, oh, well, I, I technically have two jobs. I don't have a day off per Right, right. I love what I do. And I tell them all the things that go into me producing my podcast and hosting my podcast and then trying to find comedy shows and all this. And like, so did you rest at all on your day off? I was like, that wasn't nice for me. That, that, <laughs> I got a nap. That, I got a nap. That, that was fun for me. Yeah, I, I got some sleep last night. That was about it. But that's right. That's what it is. So. When you're flying, when is your favorite time to fly, daytime or night? You know, I used to be in love with flying at night because that's all I did. It used to be I'd I'd fly basically up and down the East Coast all night long, and it was great. And that's what, you know, we call our – the guys that fly cargo, we have a nickname, and we call ourselves freight dogs. 
And, you know, that's kind of how the freight dog life was at night. I'm lucky now that I've got an early morning deal. And I'll tell you what, flying out of, growing up here, flying here at, you know, every possible airport in Northeast Ohio and living in, on the east side of Cleveland my whole life, um, taking off out of Hopkins and, and heading east in the morning right at sunrise, there's nothing cooler than that. I mean, it's, you know, it's the start of a whole new day. You get to see everything come into life. You're up there before, you know, everybody really gets going and it's really cool. Now the sunsets are just as great, but um, nighttime's a little different animal. You know, it's really just us up there. So it's a, it's a whole different world, but um, you see a lot of neat things no matter which time of day it is. I mean, they, they both, both sides offer a unique perspective on, on the world really. Yeah. Hats off to you for, for being a pilot. I've flown in planes, but I've never actually flown a plane. Maybe we'll, we'll work on that down the road. Maybe. (laughs) I just, I I just don't think I, I could do it. I mean, and it's crazy to me though, that, you know, like my wife has never been in an airplane at all. Uh-huh. In her 35 years on this earth, she has never been in a plane. And she was like, I have no desire to get on a plane. It scares me a little bit to be up there because she watches all these horror stories and she's right. all this stuff. And then for whatever reason, I had her watch the show Manifest and, you know, about that took it out the window. She wasn't getting in a plane after that now. so <laughs> We watch all those movies and I'll tell you what, we make fun of them. Uh, you know, guys in the, in the aviation community, to, more so on our side of it, um, private pilots might be a little bit different, but the guys on our side of it that have flown, you know, I've, got over 12,000 hours flight experience. And, you know, when you've seen things all over the world and seen things good or bad, um, it, 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 you have to have a sense of humor about certain things. Otherwise your job will eat you up. Um, I met, I I've gotten to meet, I mentioned the whole thing about wanting to be an astronaut. My work I've done through NASA Glenn has been really fun. The volunteer work I've, I've been very fortunate to meet a handful of astronauts. And one of the original Mercury astronauts had a really nice quote, Wally Sharaf, that I heard him say, and is that, you know, levity's the lubricant of any crisis. So when things go bad in an airplane, don't be surprised if the first thing coming out of the pilot's mouth is some type of joke or something to lighten the mood. That's just what we do. I mean, you know, we're trained so hard and put through so much in training that when the bad stuff happens, we just react to it. And, you know, what to a person that we call them gravity bound people, the gravity bound people would be horrified, but, you know, unless really, unless both wings fall off the airplane, you shouldn't fall out of the sky. Um, There's always a procedure. There's always something you've trained to do you have to, a lot of it has to do with experience from other things that you've been through and you fall back on all of that. And, you know, the real seasoned guys will tell you that, you know, there's, when things go bad, we relax ourselves by making fun of the situation. We don't take it lightly, but we, we lighten the load on ourselves and it's easier for us to function that way in an emergency situation. I mean, it's, that's really just the sense of humor and some of the jokes you'd hear in a crew room would make, would probably horrify you, but, it's 
it's just, it's fun. And that's what we, you know, that's, that's how we deal with things. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you got to make light of situations. I haven't told this story on stage because I, I just don't know. I don't have an ending for it, but it, it's a horror story about something that happened to me while I was in a play. Uh-huh. I know Orlando back to Pittsburgh and we were up and the storm was supposed to pass by the Carolinas before we even got there. Well, it didn't, it hung around mm-hmm. and our airplane actually got struck by lightning and it dropped mm-hmm. 500 feet straight down. I got to tell you, I love Disney and that was the best roller coaster I've ever been <laughs> on. But that was the scariest moment of my life. The plane just dropped 500 That's awesome. feet. And the, um, uh, even the pilot, like you said, he did make a joke about it too, as well. He goes, "I know we just left Disney, but how was that for uh, exactly?" See, we got on the on the PA and said that, and there was a bunch of like nervous laughter. Everyone was just kind of looking around, like, "Oh, we're still here." And it, it, but it, yeah, I just that was the scariest thing that happened to me in a plane, other than some turbulence. I mean, but you're going to have that pretty much. Um, there's nothing you could really do about that, is there? With, with right. turbulence or anything? No, they, you know, there's, you know, when you're going to encounter turbulence, and a lot of times guys pass, we call them ride reports back to other guys at different altitudes. So center or approach control will ask, how's the ride at whatever altitude? So you kind of pass that along. More so for the passenger haulers. Um, a lot of us hauling boxes, we don't care. I mean, seriously, to be blunt, we don't care. I mean, my passengers never complained about any turbulence. So we, I had, I do have an interesting story. There's a certain airline that I I won't mention their name, but it starts with D and ends with A. And (laughs) they like to always get on the radio and chatter about light chop, which is real little light turbulence. Like that's a big deal. Well, that's normal really, because it's never really smooth as glass. But um, I was coming into Cleveland one morning and it was, you know, it was pretty crazy, but I just, I, I, kind of have a sick twisted part of me that kind of likes that too but um i didn't report anything i told him it was a smooth ride all the way down final well here comes our buddies behind us and he kind of berated me a little bit when he got on ground control afterwards and oh that really wasn't smooth at all well i said look my like i told you my passengers didn't complain (laughs) and it really wasn't that bad but that's just how obnoxious they can get sometimes they they magnify little things and think that that's really rough and it's it's not too crazy like that, but um, the serious stuff. I mean, like we're coming out of the worst time of the year now with icing. Um, these transition months from winter to spring, and then fall into the winter, or fall into winter, and then um, into the spring, you get these transition months where you deal with a lot of ice at altitude um, in certain weather phenomena with the clouds and the rain and the freezing rain. So we pass that information along. I mean, we do take it serious. But there's stuff that isn't life-threatening that, you know, you're going to have a little bit of fun with. It's just what we do. We'll be back after a quick break. Big labia energy. What if I eat a little cheese every day? <laughs> just keep it. It's like I have a tolerance. Yeah, for cheese. Good Same job, with cats. Your tolerance. Like if I pet a cat every day for the first week or two. I you going to say if I eat a cat a little bit every day. <laughs> Started at the tail I mean, and just ate a little bit. It'd be fine, but if I didn't eat a cat for three months, I would totally start at the face. Why yeah. would you start at the tail? If someone put a gun to my head and said, "Eat this cat," I'm trying to think of We're an acceptable still talking scenario. About a feline. 
right? <laughs> oh, did you think I was talking about pussy? Maybe it could go there. I don't want to eat a cat. I want to eat a pussy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, yeah. I mean, I said earlier, you gotta have fun with with what you do, and and I know you mentioned this earlier, but you've actually had some coaching background too, as well. Huh? You coached a um, a bunch of different sports, if if I'm not uh, if I'm correct. <laughs> yeah. uh, it started so- out with started out with football. Um, the first official part of it, I mean, my my brother in law and I, we had a. A company a few years back that ran kind of like a combine company. We helped we helped kids try to get recruited into college, and you know it worked. We actually got a handful of kids, a couple D one rides, and helped some kids get into D two and D three schools. Um, it didn't last too long because the competition in there is so cutthroat, and you have big national organizations that started doing the same thing. When it's really something that you can do and parents and the student athletes can do on their own anyway, but they get fed the whole, you know, let us do this, let us do this. Oh, and by the way, it costs you this, this, and this. So we just like the coaching aspect of it and working with the kids. So on the football side, I was blessed in 2008 and 2009 to coach for um, what we call up here in Lake County title town at, with the Kirtland Hornets. Um, Six titles should have had number seven this year, but it was a rough go in the championship game. And that's, you know, that happens. Um, And then work got busy. I had to go on the road. So I had to take a step back from the football side for a little while, got involved with coaching um, recreation um, baseball with my little guy was playing. So they get the parents in there and I had played baseball in school and um, softball growing up. So that was the, the coaching part of it was easy. The X's and O's is easy. Um, the part for me of the coaching that meant so much, what is the, the mentor part of it? Um, I still have my guys that I coached at Kirtland that I see they're grown men have families. Now I still see a lot of them and, you know, we'll share some stories. There's still, you know, there's one or two things that I may have said to them that has helped them in life. And if, you know, for any coach, if there's one or two things you can say to one of your players, I don't care what sport you're playing. I don't care if they go on to play college sports or professional sports after that. But if any little thing that comes out of your mouth helps them be a better person or helps their life down the road, that's when you succeeded as a coach. And, you know, that's what means the most to me. So right now I'm coaching my daughter's travel fast pitch team. Um, we put a team together and uh, we got a pretty good team together, pretty solid 16U team. I'll go ahead, and I'm not not ashamed to uh, promote it, the Ohio Hurricane. There. And she's a freshman at Willoughby South. She's playing for the Rebels this year um, until we start our travel season. And uh, pretty darn good hitter. Um, likes to hit the home run on, on occasion, thus her nickname, Boomer. She's a catcher, third baseman, and shortstop. But um, – I I like working with these kids, especially at this age, because the way that our world is anymore, and I have three kids, 18, 14, and 12. And, you know, if you, you don't get the right message through, not saying that I, I try to substitute for any one person's parent, but there's different things that you can say that can enhance a kid's life that, that doesn't contradict, you know, any of their family upbringing or anything like that. But I look at my team, say my 11 girls on my softball team, I have 11 daughters and those girls know that 
I would jump in front of a bus for any one of them. That's just how it is with us. They can, they can talk to me. I can talk to them. They know the difference between when the ball busting stops and we get on the field and, and it's in its business time, it's time to make things happen, whether it's practice or a game, but you know, my phone's always on for them. They know this. And, you know, if the kids reach out to you just to be there for them and kind of add, you don't, you don't take away from or, or substitute, but you compliment mom and dad because life is, everybody's busy and any extra positive input they can have, they can get helps motivate them and drive them and make them a better person. My big thing is to always believe in themselves. Now, the whole, the whole thing, it's the whole thing of self-belief. I mean, if you believe in yourself, you can do anything you want. And I know it sounds cliche, but it's true. You know, the only limits you have are limits that you place on yourself. And, and, and you can find ways to fail and lose, learn from it and motivate that, use that to motivate you to be better. And that's, that's kind of what I get across in the coaching. The X's and O's are easy. We have fun with that. We're going to win some games. We're going to lose some games. But as long as you learn how to deal with the loss part and get better and, and, and see, let people see how you react and how you adapt to making a mistake or losing, that's what, that's what these college coaches are going to look at for these girls. And they're going to want to see, you know, they know you're going to make the good play, but what does she do when she makes the bad play? What does she do? If, you know, when the pressure situation's on, does she crumble? Does she rise to it? Does she maybe try her hardest and not get it, but comes back again the next time and, you know, tries even harder? So that's the stuff that I think is the most important part for me with the coaching. Oh, before I get, I, I, I kind of sidetrack this one. In between the, the high school football and the travel was um, the, um, the new flag league that the, the NFL has been pushing. I did coach the 2019 um, uh, in a junior Browns league here in Willoughby. And we happened to win the championship and I was fortunate enough to be nominated and won um, 2019 junior Browns flag football coach of the year, which was pretty cool. Um, so that was, that was fun working with the younger guys, teaching them, not just the, the tackle part of football is easy, but this was flag ball. So you have to learn the game. You have to learn, the the nuances of the game and the strategy and everything else and and the same thing into that mentoring and that passion and believing in yourself and you know it worked out these kids believed in themselves and they they kicked butt it was it's a blast it's a blast and it's all on them because they're the ones that have to perform absolutely i i had a little bit of coaching myself i coached the summer swimming league okay uh, this past summer um, I was a collegiate swimmer. I was actually a 2012 Olympic hopeful before I got a nice. Injury. And so I kind of know what I'm doing when it comes to the pool. And like, like you said, the, the telling them what to do in the pool, what practices, that's, mm-hmm. that's easy. These kids, cause it was age ranges was six to 18 years old. Mm-hmm. So I had 90 kids on this team and there was so many of them that I, I couldn't tell you that after a race, they would get out, they would look at their times and they would put their head down. And I was like, what are you doing? They're like, well, I swam a, a 30. I know I can, mm-hmm. uh, I know I can swim better than that. I was like, what was your time last meet? Oh, well it was 
35. I was like, okay, so you just knocked five seconds off. <laughs> That's of all that matters. Like, yep. this isn't the Olympics. This is summer league. This is the get you ready right. for the high school swim team to get you to districts. I know what mm-hmm. time you need to be at to be at districts. We're going to get you there. You just made an improvement and you're hanging your head. Think of right. it. Find the positives. Yeah. Okay. Your, your turn wasn't the best. We'll work on that in practice. It's fine. Like, you finished, you bettered your time. Little things. We'll, we'll, we'll take care of it. And I can't tell you how many of them would come up to me like the, the last week of the season. They're like, you know what? I don't know what we would have done if you weren't one of the assistant coaches here and, and helping out. You made this fun. And I actually got in the pool with them mm-hmm. and, and swam a workout because I had this one girl. Oh, God, she just she, <laughs> she loved to slack off. And it was, and I could tell, and I would push her the hardest yep. because Pace her a little bit. She was like, "Why are you always picking on me? Like you're always just zeroing in on me." He's like, "Cause you're not giving me a hundred percent." And I can tell that. And I know this is summer league, and I know we're supposed to have fun, um, but I know you can do better. I know you can do more. Mm-hmm. That's my job as a coach is to get the best out of you. She goes, "Well, I don't see you in the pool." Well, it just so happened that I had brought my suit that day. Here I come. And I was like, <laughs> fine, let's go. And I jumped in the pool. Now, for all the new listeners out there, I am 33 years old. Uh, I've been a smoker for 10 years, and I haven't worked out in about a decade. So, What was your stroke? Uh, backstroke and freestyle were my strokes. Okay. I've got three swimmers. My daughter, the one that's the home run hitter, was a swimmer. My oldest just graduated from South. He swam at our Y here for years, was his own swimmer, swam at the, at the high school. And now he's off to the fire Academy, but my little guy, and you'll appreciate this, my 12 year old, he's swimming in YMCA zones this weekend um, at Canton in 50 breast, his medley relay and his free relay qualified for the great lake zones. So yeah, I'm familiar with the swim thing. I ran our team here at the Y for 10 years and was a league official. Uh, it's, it's a blast to watch those kids go at it in the pool. Yeah. And the, the best part was is I actually finished this workout, which one, of, I don't know why I chose this day to get in. It was the <laughs> longest distance. Right. You had to swim. I picked the worst day to get in. Oh man. Not doing anything for that long. And I got out. I mean, I was huffing and puffing a little bit, but I got out, I was like, yeah, your 33-year-old coach just whooped your just- in a practice. Like, <laughs> uh, So don't That's tell awesome. me you don't have another gear that you can get into. And they, from that day on, like everybody gave me like 100% saying that I was willing to get in the water and do the workout with them. And I was doing strokes that I, I even when I was swimming, the, the breaststroke and the butterfly hate those strokes cannot yeah. do i don't know why i can't do them my college coach tried like he was like you you just don't have the body they're not the breast or the yeah the breaststroke isn't natural i've got three my kids must be nuts then because i got three natural breaststrokers in this family and they've all excelled and all won with that stroke and you know they're oh my little guy he's been the best one so far he's just crushing it he's crushing it Good. I, I try to get my son into into swimming, but I've always said I'm not going to force a sport onto onto my mm-hmm. kid. And you know what? He's he's a tank as it is. He would probably yeah. think in the pool. I mean, he's twelve. <laughs> he's twelve. He stands at five foot nine, two hundred and twenty pounds. Like he's put he's the pads awesome. on him. 
He's my offensive guard. He's been playing football for right? six years. Like, so I, I'm not going to be like, all right, get in the pool. That's just so no. Go crack some heads. You're big enough to do it. You're the right. You're great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we are running down near the end of the episode. I feel like I can talk all right. sports and everything all day. I do got to get this segment in. And I don't tell everyone about this segment for a reason okay. uh, because I like to see the look on their face. Because <clears throat> Bring it. The Fast Fitty Five. It is five right. random questions from the wonderful manager of the podcast, Johnny Fitty Falcone. And Rusty. Another I, Willoughby guy. Another Willoughby guy now. I got to tell you, Rusty, he's, he doesn't send me these like weeks in advance. I got these today, like oh, 10 boy. minutes before we got on. Great. So, and. These have nothing to do with what we've been talking about for the entire show. It's not a rapid fire, but you can elaborate a little bit if you need to. So, if you're ready, let's get rolling with the Fast Fitty (laughs) 5. Let's do it. This ought to be fun. Yeah. (laughs) Question number one. Are pineapples an overrated or underrated fruit? They're underrated. Underrated? Why do you you want to keep on that? Because they, they go very good blended up and mixed with rum. Ah, my man. That's a great answer. <laughs> that's a great answer. <laughs> Question number two. Okay. If you could live in Willoughby and had to pick another town, where would you pick? If I couldn't live in Willoughby and had to pick another town, I'm going to Chardon. Okay. All right. Number three. Is yard work overrated or underrated? Um, I, it's, it's overrated because it should be fun. You know, it's something you should take, should have fun. I have fun doing my yard. I mean, you know, it's, you know, some of it can be tedious. Some people do make too much out of it and try to get a little too cute with it, but it should be fun and relaxing. I mean, you're, you're hanging out in your yard, you're making it look nice. I mean, you know, it's, it's exercise if you want to look at it that way, but it's, it's fun. Absolutely. Number four, is LeBron James going to finish his career in Cleveland? I hope not. Yeah, me too. I just uh, <laughs> I hope not. Uh, number five, worst weather, rain or snow? Uh, rain. Because, you know, it just makes it sloppy. The snow, we can do a lot of stuff in snow that you can't do in rain. You know, we can, we can always... with the exception of going indoors i mean we can play football let's take our sport for example football you can play it in the snow and not have as many issues as you would if you're playing it in the rain get sloppy unless you're on a nice turf field but give me the cold and dry give me like we had about a month ago give me 15 degrees and 28 inches of snow over 49 degrees and three inches of rain any day any day that is spoken like a true Ohioan. <laughs> You're damn right. Such <laughs> an Ohioan. Damn right it is. <laughs> I have played football in the snow. I've played it mm-hmm. in the rain. And you're right. I, I preferred the snowy games. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I, I was one of those guys that during practice all week, I was all bundled up and ready to go. Game day had my short sleeves. Yeah. I was ready yep. to go. I remember one rain game. I'll make this real quick, and then we'll we'll end it. It was just an absolute mess. We had an hour and a half rain delay because of lightning, for one. Mm -hmm. All grass field. And this 
was nothing but a swamp. Mm-hmm. It was the opening kickoff, and I was on kick coverage. <laughs> this guy was running right at me. Never happened. Nobody ever cut it back. I was outside contained. I was like, all right, I got him. He slipped just as I lunged to hit him, and I flopped, and I stuck straight <laughs> into the turf nice. where I needed one of my teammates to actually suction cut me out of the turf. Oh, you man. What number anybody was, what team they were playing for. Mud Bowl. It makes, it makes it hell for announcers and everybody else, too. Like, But not to say playing in weather isn't fun, but you're right. I'd rather play in snow than I would in rain. It's I never thought of it that way. I'd anything in the snow, I mean, anything, it just makes it easier. It's drier, really, when you think about it. You, the snow, you can move, you know, when it comes to your drive. We had all that snow. Man, it took my son and I maybe what would take us normally 40 minutes of heavy wet snow. It took us 15 minutes with the light stuff. Just got it out of the way. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not bad. But, all right, like I said, we are running down near the end of the episode. I give every guest this opportunity, Rusty. So if there's a good message you want to get out there, anything you want to promote, anything like that, the floor is yours, my man. Hey, just – um. I promote our girls, our Ohio Hurricanes softball team. You can go and check us out on Instagram and on Facebook. Um, also, any of the, if, if any kids happen to look at this or any of the younger kids or any coaches that want to push this along, um, believe in yourself. You know, when you go out there, you know, we're in a world where a lot of negativity is thrown around and a lot of stuff, negative influence are thrown at you every day. Believe in yourself. Focus on what you want to do. Focus on your dream. Never stop looking up. And, you know, I would say reach for the stars, but that's been taken so many times. But but just always believe in yourself. You're put here on this earth to do great things. Settling to be mediocre and settling for basic stuff is not what you're here for. You're here to do great things. Go out and do great things. You can all do it. That's it. God, I love it when guests have a great message like that to end the show. That yes, and don't drink and drive tomorrow. No, uh, yeah, the show is recorded, so yeah, uh, today is the sixteenth of March. I know it's not when the show is going to air. Uh, St. Patrick's Day. Hope nobody drank and drove. Uh, right. So, uh, that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Ride Home Brands podcast. I want to thank Rusty for coming on. This was a fantastic episode. I learned a lot about flying, and I always say, even if you didn't have fun or laugh during the show, you learned something to deal with it. Um, that's going to do it for us. As always, if you enjoyed the show, be a friend, tell a friend. If you didn't, tell them anyways. They might like it just because you didn't. That's going to do it for me, and I will see y'all next week. Thanks, man. The Ride Home Rants podcast is brought to you by Dubby Energy. Energy drinks made for gamers, streamers, and podcasters alike. For gamers, streamers, and podcasters alike. Go to the link in the description where you can find the best energy drinks out there. Less caffeine than a cup of coffee. Also... No jitters and no crash afterwards. Use the promo code Mike Bono and get yourself 10% off. Also, the Ride Home Rants podcast is brought to you by my favorite sponsor of the show, and that is Shankit Golf. 
Golf apparel made for the everyday golfer. We might not go out and shoot a six under par. We're probably going to shoot a six over par. But this is going to give us the gear that's going to help us rock it on and off of the course. Go to the link in the bio. Use the promo code Mike Bono and get yourself 10% off there as well.